Freddy has been brought back due to like evil dog piss. So there's any way to bring back any of these supernatural characters. Radio It is Thursday night. You have the right to remain silent forever. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Cecil T. Robot. Dun, dun, dun. Cordell doesn't say dun, dun, dun. Huh? Well, I was going off of the, you know, you have the right to remain silent forever. Dun, dun, dun. All right, fair enough. And then you could hear snickering like Lorraine Landon back there. Peter? Snickering like a little girl and six foot two and muscular. Speaking of little girls who are six foot two and muscular, do the Adam and Eve promo, bucko. Well, yes, uh, cream pies. There's my segue into it. By using the promo code DROME, you'll get 10 free gifts on top of whatever you order. That's six free DVDs, a free mystery gift, a gift for him, a gift for her, and free U.S. shipping. You get all that if you use the promo code DROME on adamandeve.com. I can't use it, so make a Canadian jealous today. Go to adamandeve.com and get your gift bag of debauchery. Tonight we're going to be looking at a relatively obscure franchise, Maniac Cop. The Maniac Cop films, I enjoy all three. We'll get to why director William Lustig does not. All three are good films, but this is a franchise I think most people forget is a franchise. I've run into quite a few people that remember the Maniac Cop first one, and they're like, there were sequels? Yes, there were sequels, and I'll also get into why you may not remember those as sequels. Before we get into each film individually, what do you think of the Maniac Cop franchise as a whole? It's great. I've always been a fan of the Maniac Cop franchise. Uh, I actually saw them slightly out of order. I went two, one, three. But still, I mean, it, it's such a it, it's such a kick-ass franchise. I think uh, a lot of times when I run into people, they confuse this with Psycho Cop. And Psycho Psycho Cop was actually the ripoff of this, and let's just say William <laughs> Lustig is not very happy at that franchise. He 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 once made a quote that if he ever gets an actor who has auditions for one of his films that was in a Psycho Cop film, they're immediately disqualified. <laughs> he really does not like the Psycho Cop films. Psycho wow. Cop is so funny though. That's 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 like one of my favorite like. The second bad... one is hilarious. Oh God, yes, they're, they're too funny. Yeah, I mean the Psycho Cop movies are like hilarious, but they're not traditionally what I would think of you know calling them as good movies. Maniac Cop, they're good movies. They're not just exploitation, you know, horror fare. They're actually well constructed, well put together movies. I had first shown uh, my wife the first Maniac Cop maybe like three, four years ago. And she was shocked because she's like, you know, uh, it's like, yes, it is a maniac cop, but I was expecting it to be a little more kind of a like a B movie and just kind of like silly and crappy. She's like, but it, it's a like really good movie. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what sets this apart is that they're genuinely well-constructed and just good movies and they're not just like goofy B movies. 
I agree with Steve still. I saw them in order. I saw the first one uh, that I rented from a independent video store back when I was maybe 14 years old, a place called Videomatica, and uh, which was a staple of, of where I got a lot of the movies that I love today. And I I loved the first one. I thought it was awesome. Then I, I, ch- I checked out the second one and the third one. Not that big of a fan of the third one, but overall still, even if even if I find the third, if even if found the third one to be a bit weaker than the first two i think overall it's it is an impressive franchise they're they're all well-made films and they they progressively at least in terms of like like technically they get better like uh, the character of of matt cordell effectively does look scarier and scarier as the sequels progress and i think that's something we'll talk about later on but yeah i love this series i think the character of, of matt cordell is an is an underrated gem and, and more people need to need to check out two and three if they've seen the first one and don't know that this is a franchise there's someone out there no one knows his name no one knows his face. Oh, no. But now, the most terrifying man in the city carries a badge. Your head was unstable and there was a deceleration injury. There's in your old hanging. You really think a cop did this? Why not? Would you automatically assume that it was a police officer instead of some lunatic dressed up like a cop? Vice squad. He'll kill again. He enjoys killing. He strikes without cause, without mercy. He may be getting information from inside the department. That means he is one of us. You see a cop, you crossed to the other side of the street. You're not gonna get me. Anybody who wants to shoot a cop nowadays has got one hell of an excuse. This one is my personal life, any of your business. Since your wife was found dead in the motel room, you gotta be wrong. You wanna see the pretty picture? Keep your hands where I can see them. Hold on, I, I didn't do any of this. When a cop turns killer, you have the right to remain silent forever. I like how the, at least in the first film, the Matt Cordell character is a shade of gray. You understand why he's doing what he's doing, but the fact that he's only killing innocent people to get the cops pissed off kind of makes it so you can't exactly side with him, you know? Mm-hmm. That it kind of, it doesn't paint him as disenfranchised rogue the character seems to think he is. Let's go back to the beginning, 1988, or actually the genesis of this franchise starts before that. Larry Cohen and William Lustig were getting together for lunch one day. Larry Cohen just just dropped a, a random question. How come you never made a sequel to Maniac? Now remember, 1980s Maniac does have a sequel, but William Lustig not only had nothing to do with that, he despises it. So I don't know Mm. if this conversation predated the actual Maniac 2 or not, or just all of them don't want to have anything to do with that Maniac 2. He he said, why don't you make a sequel to Maniac? And he got the idea of, what about a Maniac cop? (laughs) And then so Larry Cohen wrote the script, 
William Lustig directed it. Here's the weirdest thing about the first film. The first film feels so much like a New York movie. They only shot for four days in New York. The bulk, really? of, the bulk of the film was shot in Los Angeles. Sam Raimi accidentally got the first film made. Sam Raimi, coming hot off the heels of Evil Dead 2 at that point, he and Bruce Campbell were helping shoot the St. Patrick's Day footage. And since Sam Raimi has a small role as a TV as a TV news announcer in that, people thought Sam Raimi was directing the movie. So they got their financing by William Lustig not telling people Sam Raimi is only an actor in this film. What do you think about the first film? Just the first film. I love the first film. I love that there's a shade of gray with the character and that in a way, like the whole thing with why Matt Cordell is is killing people, This uh, he's this former hero cop that was murdered in prison because the, the system pretty much screwed him over. Uh, they had ties with the, the mob or whatever, so they got him sent to prison on false charges, and he gets murdered by all the people he he put away, like viciously cut up with, with straight razors and shivs, and it's a, it's, that's a pretty great scene. That uh, That's a reoccurring flashback in, in all the films, but it's especially effective in the first one because his mission is to, to go after the mayor that uh, or the senator. Was it the mayor or the senator? I can't remember. But it, it, it was he, the mayor and the chief of police. Yes, he goes after the mayor and just whoever wronged him in terms of the, the system. And it's it's cool that way because... But how he goes about it is killing mm-hmm. innocent people to turn the public against the cops. Yeah. That's not, that's he, not a hero's mission. It's not at all, no. He's, um, he's, he's doing that to get people afraid of the boys in blue. Like, there's a lot of scenes where, like, you're seeing uh, news footage of people being interviewed about the police and how they're terrified of them. And there's that, like, old woman that gets pulled over and she just immediately shoots the cop because she just assumes it's going to be the the maniac cop. Do you know who and that that's old woman giving... is? No. That's Walter Koenig's wife. <laughs> just just a yeah, little bit of trivia uh... there. That was Walter Koenig's wife. I didn't know that. But, uh, yeah, that um, doing that opens up ground for Matt Cordell to, to go after the mayor. And overall, it's it's a great film. Uh, there's a cool sense of almost like it's in a way a vigilante movie, but like a vigilante gone bad, like uh, like the character just going about it the completely wrong way instead of going after pushers and mobsters. He's going after innocent people. But at the same time, it's still effective because it gets people turned against the cops so he can go after the actual corrupt mayor in the film. Plus, it's got a great cast. I mean, you can't really miss with Bruce Campbell and Tom Atkins. Like, they're awesome in this movie. You've got Robert Zadara's Matt Cordell, yes. Richard, Richard Roundtree as the commissioner, Lorraine mm-hmm. Landon, Bruce Campbell, Tom Atkins. you got the, the great William Smith. You've got <laughs> Sherry North. You've, you've got a really solid cast here. But yeah. w- w- one of the interesting things is the producers didn't want Bruce Campbell to be an adulterer. They mm-hmm. wanted Bruce Campbell to be straight up the hero. They wanted the whole he's cheating on his wife with Lorraine Landon subplot deleted. I think that actually makes him a better hero because he's not this true blue cop. He was cheating on his wife and then his wife gets killed by the maniac cop after she on her way home from catching him cheating with another police officer. Yeah, which makes him very very flawed. And it's a great way to make him like a. They turn him into the prime suspect of the film that way. 
and he's cheating on his wife and there's some troubles with their marriage in general. They were seeing a counselor. So there was cause for him to be put away. Plus it says in the movie that he fits the description of the killer. Like people are saying that he's a guy over six feet tall with a huge chin, which uh, just happens to be what Bruce Campbell looks like too. And so I think that added a really nice shade, another shade of gray that a lot of people, because I think your average audience member, they want black and white. Matt Cordell's mm. the good guy, or the bad guy. Bruce Campbell's the, the good guy. That's what they mm. wanted, yet both characters are very much shades of gray. Although Matt Cordell is much grayer than, than Bruce Campbell is. Yeah. I like, I really enjoyed the first film. The, the one thing that kind of got me was, and I don't know, maybe it was just me. The first time I was watching it, I felt like... Even though Bruce Campbell was the good guy, there was a certain element there that made me feel like maybe he might not really be like he might be involved in something that they weren't really talking about. And then, of course, by the end, you find out that, no, he, he wasn't. Well, it, th uh, that was actually kind of intentional. They, they said they, they wanted his character, hence why they gave him the, the, the affair with Lorraine Landon. They wanted you, the audience to not be sure whether he was the maniac cop or not. That's mm. why they didn't show Matt Cordell's face till the end. You were supposed to think he might be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I mean, since I saw them out of order, I knew that he wasn't, you know, Matt Cordell, but I still thought that maybe he was involved in some way. You know, they were going to pull a, you know, uh, Matt Cordell's um, partner or something out. And, oh, my God, it was this guy, you know, and it turned out that he really was a good cop. And, uh, you know, and it was it was cool seeing, you know, such a young Bruce Campbell. I mean, back then when I first saw it, it was uh, it was like, hey, you know, evil dead guy. And he then... is shockingly young in this movie. But yeah. he looks so <laughs> young in this. He somehow looks like younger in this than he does in Evil Dead. It's it's yeah. I don't know how that's possible. You know, his but, voice uh, is like so much higher in it too. Like <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, I, I I think I think one of the things that they did was they surrounded him, and he's not a huge guy. Like we were saying, how young he is. You're being surrounded by William Smith, Robert Sadar, and Richard Roundtree. These yeah. guys are all a head taller than him. I think and that made not, him like, seem smaller, you know? And he's not a short guy. Like, Bruce Campbell, I think, is at least, like, 6'2 or something. So, yeah, he was surrounded by some giants. But uh, I, I loved it because uh, the, the character of Matt Cordell was cool. I mean, it was used much more in, in two and three because one, they were trying to uh, keep it uh, a little ambiguous and he would show up, usually, you know, murder somebody, whereas they did a lot more character development with him in two, which is one of the mm. things that I liked, but I'm not going to talk about two yet. Yeah, it's it's just, it's a kick-ass movie. I just, I, just uh, I really enjoyed it. Now, Maniac Cop did very well at the box office. It wasn't a blockbuster, but it made more than its budget and this was released theatrically and that'll be an issue later on. A few years later, they decided in 1990 to make Maniac Cop 2 based on the strength of Maniac Cop now having come out on videotape. And Bruce Campbell's growing popularity was not hurting things either. Officer Cordell is dead. People are safe to walk the streets again. Or are they? Must be visiting hours, cause my friend is back! The nightmare has returned. Big cop, six foot three, maybe more. 
Jim Cordell's only good for getting his attention. Teresa Mallory's dead because she's in truth. Christian, The Hidden, Michael Lerner, The Postman Always Rings Twice, Bruce Campbell, The Evil Dead, and Leo Rossi, The Accused, star in Maniac Cop 2. They got the cast back. You know, they got Lorraine Landon back. They got Robert Zadar back. They got Bruce Campbell back. Larry Cohen, who also wrote this one, decided that their storyline pretty much is over, that it'll just be going backwards to go back and do another story with Jack Forrest and Teresa Mallory. That's why I was kind of shocked when Bruce Campbell gets killed 11 minutes into Maniac Cop 2. <laughs> Same here. They sold this as a Bruce Campbell film, mm-hmm. but it, it does also gives you an, it makes everything off kilter because now anybody can die. And in fact, Lorraine Landon, I'll get more into this in the third film, Lorraine Landon was not supposed to die in this. Mm. Lorraine Landon was supposed to be put into a coma. The coma police officer in the third film was supposed to be Teresa, making her the only other character that's in all three movies. But for whatever reason, Larry Cohen decided, let's just kill her instead of comatizing her. They bring in new characters, played by Clarence Williams III, Leo Rossi, Claudia Christian, and Robert Davi. Claudia Christian is the only mistake William Lustig has with Maniac Cop 2. Mm. They did not get along at all. He said from day one, she didn't do what she was told. She had her own ideas of the direction for the Susan Riley character. She was difficult on the set. And in her book, she has called Maniac Cop 2 one of the worst films she's ever worked on. And I think she Mm. meant working experience, not quality of the final film. So Mm. Claudia Christian was a huge mistake. And watching the film again, you can kind of tell she doesn't want to be here. You can Mm. tell she's fighting with the director. On the other hand, Robert Davi was actually kind of the, like I said about the first film, Sam Raimi accidentally got the first film made. Robert Davi accidentally got Maniac Cup 2 made. He and (laughs) William Lustig had never met before. He was in a James Bond movie that had just come out before this. William mm. Lustig was talking to international investors, and they Robert Davi's huge in Europe. So they said, not what's your movie about. They said, who's in your movie? And he looked at that poster and just went, uh, we got Robert Davi. They got <laughs> the money based on that, and then kind of like, I really got to cast Robert Davi now. I got to go talk to him. I think Robert Davi had a uh, very keen bargaining position when it came to salary. I think Maniac Cop 2 is the strongest film in the franchise. It's the most well-directed. I love the use of lighting. It's the most action, uh, most action-packed of all of them. I agree totally. Maniac Cop 2 is definitely the best of the franchise. The action is great. The story is great. Uh, like I said before, they expanded his character so much more in this. And they, he gets a friend! He, he does get a friend. Who's a serial <laughs> killer, but it's, he's got a friend! But he's got a friend. <laughs> They they went the supernatural route, you know, like and, and they brought him back from the dead. 
And the third film uh, will do that even farther. But um, and and his his makeup I thought looked really awesome. Uh, just how he was all kind of burned and cut up and uh, the, 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 it, uh, the makeup. That's actually William Lustig's only complaint about the first film. They did not like how the makeup looked on him. They they really said yeah. we've really got to do a cool makeup for part two. And they only showed it, God, what at the very very end almost. Yeah, mm. but William Lustig was t- not happy with that. He's very happy with how the makeup turned out for the second one. Mm-hmm. Robert Zadar was... not so much because it was a three-hour job, and you since you see his <laughs> face much more, he was getting he was getting just irritated with how long he had to spend in that makeup. <laughs> well, they probably spent you know uh, they spent like an hour on his forehead and then like two hours on his chin. Well, and and, and <laughs> because of the makeup, Robert. Zadar couldn't chew, so he could only have liquids for lunch and dinner. Uh, <laughs> so everything he had weight. for weeks was liquid, and he uh, was really getting frustrated because he couldn't. Because if he moved his mouth too much, the makeup would tear. I'm surprised they didn't make a make a mask at that point. But still, like I, I mean, it, it was the end product was worth it because the makeup did look great. I I, I just liked how it it felt fuller. It definitely. I mean, how was how was the budget comparatively? Did they have more money? Because it felt like they had more money. They had four million dollars for this one, where they had only a little over a million for the first film. Oh because, yeah, definitely. Because they, this one had international investors. The first film was made locally, you know, America, and oh, this one was also mostly shot in L.A. as well. Only I think they said six days of shooting in in New York for Maniac Cop Two. The rest of it's Los Angeles, doubling New York. Yeah, two is is just a great movie. Uh, I mean, I guess you would appreciate it more if you saw one and then two, but uh, still, if you if you watch them out of order, I don't think it really it doesn't it doesn't devalue it at all. It it, it doesn't, which is one of the things William Lustig went for because he because at, at the t- I'll get to this in a minute. At the time, they made this as a big theatrical release for New Line Cinema. This was going to be New Line was trying to uh, accompany Matt Cordell along with Freddy as the new horror icon. And so this was supposed to be theatrical, so it was supposed to be bigger, which meant you did you had to account for people who did not see the first film. That's why the first five minutes of this film are the last five minutes of the last film, and you see Cordell's flashback of being cut up again, so you can watch this film for the first time and still be able to follow the story. Oh, so and, that was all two, intentional, Cecil. Excellent. So they, it was a great thing to do two things uh the one like you said them killing bruce campbell off in this one it was kind of uh like how uh executive decision was where it was marketed as a seagal movie and then seagal dies i think 20 minutes into the film so it's (laughs) it's a very risky maneuver because you get a lot of people that are like oh i'm here to see this and then your star gets killed i mean that's really rough but in this case and in that case as well it, it totally works and it, it just shows they had some balls and they took a risk and, and it turned out well. And the other mm-hmm. thing I did, I forgot to mention it with the first movie. I love the way he swings the nightstick. That's just what he's walking through the streets. And it's just that like I could not get enough of that. And I was so yeah. glad they brought that back. Oh, I also want to point out, I forgot about this in the first film, since you just brought that up. You reminded me of it. Remember the first victim he kills in the first film at the beginning of the movie? The the girl in the pink that's running from the rapists? Yeah, yeah. That is Larry Cohen's daughter. He has killed her (laughs) in every film he's ever made since her birth. 
He said <laughs> after this one, she kind of went, Dad, do we have an issue? <laughs> you, you cast me in every one of your movies and you kill me. The old blind newspaper vendor in Maniac Cop 2? Mm-hmm. That's James Earl Jones' dad. Wow. Who who was in Sleepaway Camp? We'll get to that. Shut up. <laughs> I'm just tying it together. Maniac Cop 2 is fantastic. Um, I don't know if... Technically, I, I think I would say it's my favorite of, of the series, but I think I would say that I, I like one and two equally. I think one probably has my, uh, to me, it has the better actors of the two. Like I, I love uh, Tom Atkins and, and Bruce Campbell, but the, the, the stars in the second one are still good too. I mean, I, Leo Rossi is cool. Uh, he's great. Leo as, Rossi like, steals this movie almost. Oh my God, he does. He's like the stripper killing, a uh, serial killer that Matt Cordell becomes friends with. Leo Rossi in this, and I, I see it after William Lustig mentioned it on the commentary. Leo Rossi's appearance and even the way he talks is all patterned after Bella Lugosi in Ghost of Frankenstein. Remember after he was hung <laughs> as Igor? That's mm. what that's what Leo Rossi's character was patterned after. Now that I've said that, you go, I can see it. That is fantastic. Robert Davi was cool. He he made a good, like, sort of gritty cop. Um and I, I like him. He's he's always um he's always cool in, in whatever he's in as as far as as far as the way I feel about it. Um even if I even if I do prefer like I would have liked it if they would have kept uh, Tom Atkins and made him sort of the star of of the series, but I he guess we, we can't a window have... in the, He got thrown out a window in the first film. He, I and... know, but I would have liked it if he if he lived and he didn't get thrown out a window because, I don't know, Tom Atkins to me just makes a better, like, gritty detective cop kind of character. But still, Robert Davi was great. Leo Rossi was just, he did. He completely stole the show as, as like, the sort of Igor of the of the duo where, you know, you had, you had it Matt must Cordell. be visiting hours because my friend is back. <laughs> that was awesome. And, uh, I also noticed Leo Rossi is also in the first movie as a completely different character. And I just noticed this when I watched all three over the weekend, he's like, um, he's the assistant to the mayor or something like Did you guys notice this? Because, uh, William Lustig actually cast him after having worked with him on the first film and on relentless. So mm-hmm. he, he knew the way he put it is they, they had a cinematic shorthand that, yeah. that that he knew what Lustig was looking for. And it was kind of the exact opposite experience Lustig had with Claudia Christian. <laughs> and thematically, too, is great because it, it does, as Cecil said, it, it delves a lot further into Matt Cordell's character in that it continues his mission so to so to speak like how in the first one he goes after the corrupt mayor in the second one he makes his way into the prison that he was killed in to kill the the people the the prisoners that effectively chopped the shit out of his face and and left him for dead or i guess he he was dead i'm sort of um i'm sort of on the fence as to whether matt cordell is a zombie or what i, I guess he is it- at this point in part two, he's a zombie because yeah. he spent three months at the bottom of the at the bottom of the East River. He's a at zombie point, in he's... this one. In the first Definitely. film, it was kind of vague. Yeah, it was like he still had like like bullets couldn't kill him. Like the guy could take like 20, 20 shots and not go down. But he also so. had to sleep and he dreamt. Zombies don't normally need to sleep. <laughs> exactly. But so, but yeah, yeah, it's great how. Um, and it's what like the third one and it's sort of the reason I, I mean, we'll get into why the third one to me is the weakest, but I really feel like it should have ended with the second one 
because he really went full circle. He went from the first one where he took out the mayor at the end, and then in the second one, he takes out the guys who sliced him up in jail. So it really feels like the character made like a perfect arc. You really got to know the character of Matt Cordell, and it just ended on such a great note, and there's so much awesome action. Like the police shootout in Maniac Cop 2 is one of the best action sequences, not just in like a horror movie, but like as an action movie, like on action movie merits, even on, on that account, it's great. And the, you know, the police station raid at the end is just in general is awesome where he's, you know, on fire and just taking out all the, all the prisoners that way. Like it's just Maniac Cop 2 is just, just an awesome movie altogether. I think Maniac Cop 2 is a nice moody film. He uses mm-hmm. lighting very, very well. Yes, the, yes, definitely. The, sto- the story works quite well. Unfortunately, the movie didn't have a chance to flop at the box office. They were going to get ready to ink a deal with New Line Cinema to release it nationwide because, like I said, New Line wanted this franchise to, to help bolster alongside Freddy. And I, at this point, they had Leatherface as well, so they were trying to be the new horror house. Mm-hmm. And then IVE, which later became Live Entertainment, made a better offer. So the producers and the financers, against Lustig's wishes, went with, with IVE, who released oh. it direct-to-video. Oh, man. So Maniac Cop 2 never got a theatrical release, but it was made to have one. It just kind of... It, it was a huge hit on video, so they're mm. they're like it still made its grounds, but I think that might be why most more people are unfamiliar with this as a franchise, as the first film was the only theatrical one. What do you think about this going direct to video? Do you think that helped or hurt? If New Line had released this nationwide, it would have had more of an impact than IVE just releasing it on video. I think so. I think. Uh... It was at the time when this kind of movie would have probably made a killing in the theater. No movie has ever really been hurt by going, you know, direct, you know, going into the theater, with the exception of if they release it uh, with like no fanfare at all. They just kind of dump it into theaters. But uh, if they gave it a decent marketing budget and would have put it out there, uh, riding off of the success of the first one, I think it would have done very well. It's it's a shame that uh, it didn't and it it went uh, direct to video because that was especially considering that it cost so much more than the first one. Uh, it, it it may have made two a bigger hit and then they might have been able to put more money into three and it would you know would have not ended at three. But the downside of that is New Line would have owned it at that point. And we've all seen what New Line does when they run franchises into the ground. We may have gotten mm-hmm. a far worse Maniac Cop 3 if New Line had gotten this instead of IVE. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I think uh, it would have um, it would have made Maniac Cop 2 a lot more well-known for sure. It would have gotten its proper uh, theatrical release, which it really deserved to get because it's a, it's a hell of a lot more technically quality, like technical, on every technical standpoint, it looks a lot better. The lighting is so much cooler and more atmospheric and the action is just so great. So it really deserved to shine in in the movie theater alongside with part one. But I think IVE getting it was probably a better move in terms of it ending on a good note. Like even if the third one, even if I'm not the biggest fan of that one, it was still a good movie. And I think the series still ended on a good ish note. Whereas if new line ended up getting it, we probably would have gotten, you know, we, we would have gotten the good two 
probably might have gotten a decent three, and then it just would have, as you said, with how New Line tends to run horror franchises into the ground, eventually we would have just gotten fucking sick of, of Maniac Cop because, you know, by the time the eighth one rolled around, it would just be some horrible thing like Jason Goes to Hell or, I mean, I don't even mind that movie so much, or like A New Nightmare or just a lot of the, the sequels that a lot of fans tend to hate. Like Matt Cordell may have turned into something that completely deviated from his original character. I think it's probably a good thing that IVE got it and we, we got like three solid Maniac Cop films uh, rather than something that would have eventually devolved into something shitty. Speaking of devolving into something shitty, now I don't agree with this. William Lustig and Larry Cohen have completely washed their hands of Maniac Cop 3. In fact, William Lustig made them take his name off of it, and I don't know if the video versions do, or the, like the DVDs and Blu-rays, but the VHS release is an Alan Smithy film. Mm. So he hates it that much. When the violent this filthy creep's gonna make us rich can't be controlled. When the guilty can't be caught. When the lawless can't be stopped. The only hope left. You saw a symbol in the dirt. You see the symbol of anti-justice. Is a cop. Who's ready to raise a little hell. Your very special kind of darkness. From the darkest powers of creation. Wanna know about resurrection? Comes a force more powerful than life, more lasting than death. He has returned. Who's in there? As judge, jury, and executioner. Oh my god. I know what I saw. To enforce the law. Where is he? You're finding. With a vengeance. Ah! But now, the only way to end the massacre is to destroy two tortured souls. The madness. Finish it. of silence the maniac cop is back he and larry cohen wanted to do something quite different than what maniac cop 3 ended up as in all honesty i think they're too close but william lustig says it's like having to visit your aborted baby on its birthday every year Every oh, time man. someone brings him a Maniac Cop 3 poster or a video or something to sign at a con, it's like looking at my ultimate failure and people asking <laughs> me to watch it again. So he really hates it. Now, to be fair, I think he and Larry Cohen are too close to it because the cast like Maniac Cop 3. The producer likes Maniac Cop 3. The fans like Maniac Cop 3. Really, the only people who hate this movie are Larry Cohen and William Lustig. Mm. They have reason to, but I think they're being a little picky about it. That's just me. What happened with this one is is a little bit more of how Hollywood works and a, a lot of egos butting heads. First of all, Claudia Christian was not coming back after how she did not get along with William Lustig. Her character doesn't even get a mention. It's like, okay, she <laughs> doesn't exist any longer. Larry Cohen and William Lustig didn't really want to do this. The producers and IVE convinced them, we'll give you this amount of money, do this, blah, blah, blah. So they came up with the story, which was not 
with starring Robert Davi. Nothing against Robert Davi's character. They wanted this time a black main character. But because this is being financed from Japan and Europe, this is 1993. They said, we can't sell a movie with a black main character for a franchise like this. So right there, Larry Cohen and William Lustig were already turned off of the project. So that's how Robert Davi came back to it. The big thing was, and I think they're at fault. Larry Cohen, he wrote the other two. He was supposed to write this one. He was making other movies, and he just kept dicking around, dicking around, dicking around, dicking around. The producer eventually called him on his cell phone while Larry was driving and said, Larry, I need a script. Larry said, okay, get a pen and paper. Interior. Day. And he started dictating a script he was ad-libbing off the top of his head Mm. while driving along (laughs) the California coast. The producer (laughs) said, no, this is not how we work. So basically, Larry Cohen was fired. William Lustig was already under contract, so he had to come. So the producer wrote the script, and he made it much more exploitative. And William Lustig eventually walked off after after a couple of weeks of shooting where he just couldn't do it anymore. So the main producer took over and finished directing the film. You can kind of mm. tell what is Lustig and what is not. I liked Maniac Cop 3. It might have been a disaster behind the scenes. I enjoyed the hell out of the movie. 3, I, I enjoy, but definitely it is a step off in quality from 1 and 2. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just the weakest of the three. But, but, I mean, I knew a lot of the production issues. I know they had some budget cuts and restraints and all kinds of nonsense that got in there. It does feel like, you know, you're watching it, and about halfway through, everything gets really chintzy. <laughs> and so you can kind of tell, like, normally I know, you know, movies are never filmed in order, but this one, there, it just it feels like around the halfway point, all right, they either just took a major cut in budget or something's going wrong because everything just doesn't look good all of a sudden. And it does kind of peter out. It's still cool. Uh, and like you said, I mean, it definitely <laughs> had new line of uh, taken over. Who knows what we would have gotten. But uh, there is the possibility, you know, we might have gotten like a Jason versus Freddy versus uh, Matt Cordell or something. And, oh, man, uh, that would have been awesome. We, we talked a little bit about Matt Cordell being supernatural, definitely, in the second one. In this one, he's brought back straight up by voodoo. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah, they, he's they straight up voodoo. supernatural in this one. <laughs> now, it's been a while since I've seen it, because uh, I'm going off of memory here. Doesn't he, dr- like, when he brings him back, doesn't he drive, like, a dagger into his head? Or am I thinking no, of something? No, he, he drives a dagger He drives a dagger into a sacrificial victim's head. It's, oh. it, it's part of the ritual. Yeah, oh, he dri- he dri- and then and then he, he drives the dagger in, and then Matt's eyes open up, right? Right. Well, okay. Th- th- because right. this film, because William Lustig said the second film was supposed to be a modern-day take on Frankenstein, which, which even goes to the Leo Rossi playing the Bela Lugosi character and goes to Frankenstein angle even more. Mm. This was supposed to be Bride of Frankenstein, which does <laughs> make more sense when you think that Lorraine Landon was supposed to be the comatose police officer in this one. That even goes closer to that angle. This one, I think when the new producer, when the producer took over directing, the whole Bride of Frankenstein angle kind of took over and became less subtle than it was at first. 
Oh, it's a mess. It's visibly a mess, but I still enjoy it. It's got a great early Jackie Earl Haley performance in that one, and uh, his his. You, plot you also in the movie. you also have you also have Robert Forrester in that. Yeah. When when will Quentin Tarantino resurrect my career mode? <laughs> <laughs> he had yeah he had a nice uh, brief uh, moment in the film, and also the the principal from Breakfast Club is in it. I think like was I think he was he he plays like. Uh, I think Jackie Earl Haley's lawyer in the movie or something. Jackie Earl is nice and over the top in this too, as the yeah. You know he what? Is. I actually he, I, I he's don't got know a great he, like Charles Manson vibe to him in this one. It's it's awesome. Actually, he hit me as a John Deal from Miami Vice almost. But yeah, like I really I liked certain aspects of three a lot, and feel like if it was just a bit tighter, it would have been great. Because it still looked good. I mean, it's still I I didn't feel like it looked cheap or anything. I still thought it looked fairly to the same tier as Maniac Cop 2. It's just something was off about 3. And what other all of- movie is going to have a high-speed chase the wrong direction the wrong direction on an L.A. freeway with a police <laughs> officer, a police car missing a door with its driver on fire trying to stop an ambulance with no tires? That was fantastic. I'll give it that. And here's... um. Here, here are some of the problems I had with, with Maniac Cop 3. It just... It felt... I didn't really follow a lot of what was going on. Like the, the whole thing where like the, the voodoo dude that brings Matt Cordell back to life, it, it, there's like a weird secret tunnel from the hospital that leads to that dude's church. And then the movie ends like four times. Like um, it, it, it has a, I like the ending where you have Matt Cordell trying to get the, you know, the, the finish it part where uh he's getting the the girl to be resurrected and that doesn't work out and then the the church burns down and you've got the, the, a, a very frankenstein-esque uh set piece with matt cordell holding the the corpse of the of the police officer that he and, wanted and, to and, resurrect and then, and then they both get immolated yeah and then they blow up and you figure oh, that's a pretty good way to end the movie and then matt cordell comes back in a in a hearse or whatever chasing after the blows up and then of course you have another scene on top of that at the morgue where matt cordell and and the cop chick are completely burned up and then they hold hands and then it finally ends like you're expecting there to be another ending on top of that ending at the end of the credits like it it does feel like a mess you can see a lot of random b-roll footage from maniac cop 2 like the where he's spinning it shows a shot of him walking in new york city and he's, he's doing the stick spin thing it's from Maniac Cop 2. There's a shot of him shooting uh, police officers on a stairwell that's clearly from the shootout from Maniac Cop 2. They actually use the entire Maniac Cop 2 shootout as a flashback. Mm, yeah, that's so right. Th- 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 that wasn't so much like cheating footage as it was just a straight-up flashback. No, they did use it for a whole other scene too, though. Um, it's it's in the hospital. Like it's It's a shot where he's going up the stairwell and he shoots like two cops and they fall down like they completely reuse a b-roll of that for uh the the hospital stuff i didn't notice that one but fair enough i did and i thought i think it's because i watched them back to back i guess just the other night and but i i like like aspects of it i like jack earl haley's character i like his his story is actually not that bad i i wish they had focused a little more on that and maybe not so much on the voodoo stuff but it's kind of like his is where he gets into like a shootout at a pharmacy or like a corner store or something and 
the the chick that Matt Cordell wants to resurrect and turn into his bride is almost like a female version of Matt Cordell. Like she's a hero cop and she's very shoot first, ask questions later. Makes more sense if it's Lorraine Landon's character from the first two films. Yeah, it does. That where they whereas they made it this uh, just a completely different random character in this case, but it still it it worked. And then. Uh, you have the whole corrupt law system that's going to give Jackie Earl Haley's character like a huge settlement while, you know, this cop, this obvious hero cop is is dying. And uh, the footage that the that, um, you know, the the new the, jur- the news journalist dude shot, they they doctored it. So it looked more like uh, she was, you know, being uh, being a very corrupt gung ho cop. So I liked that. I really liked that aspect of Maniac Cop 3, and it's probably my—it's it's what makes me like it, I would say, whereas everything else felt quite thrown together, and it just it just feel like it, it would never end, like by the time it got to the point where it's like, okay, well, now Matt Cordell's missing an arm, and now the thing's going to blow up, and now he's, you know, coming back to life in the hospital, too, and it's like, just when will it fucking end? Like, I— I, I don't hate the movie, and I think that maybe William Lustig feels a little too strongly about it because he did walk off set, so he was kind of asking for the movie to turn out the way it did. But I don't hate it. I definitely think it's the weakest, but to me, one and two will always be the best when it comes to that series. Well, I can tell you exactly why the multiple endings are there, and that is due to, <laughs> that is due to runtime. When William Lustig walked off the set, he spent the entire budget and his rough cut was only 50 minutes long. And they had to get to an hour 25 as per their contract with the investors. So yeah. they had to beg the investors for some more money to keep adding scenes to get to the hour 25. So William Lustig wasted all the money and didn't even have an hour of usable footage, which kind of <laughs> says even if he hadn't walked off, you know, the movie would have needed to be padded out anyway. Which is why there's random B-roll footage from Maniac Cop 2, which is why... There's like three, like pretty much it's like they're showing all the alternate endings of the film or something like that's what it feels like. It just it feels it feels very strung together. And now I want to say about the edits. The first film, the first Maniac Cop, weirdly enough, in England, the scene where they slash Cordell's face from his mouth to his ear, that was cut. That was the only cut that was required. Mm -hmm. Then in Maniac Cop 2, they had to cut. Nah, not major, but some of the police station shootout to get an R rating because there was too many shotgun blasts. Yeah. And then in Maniac Cop 3, they show the entire uncut police station shootout, and that still makes an R rating. <laughs> Tells you just how, how much the MPAA changes their tune as they're moving along. So this was the end of the franchise. There will not be another one. There, there are talks. William Lustig has admitted there are talks in a Maniac Cop reboot. It will not have Robert Zadar or anyone in it, but there are talks to reboot the franchise and do a remake. But Robert Zadar said all of the films he's made in his entire career, the one he gets asked about the most is, when will we get Maniac Cop 4? Do you think that the Maniac Cop franchise ended where it should have? Or like we were talking about with New Line, do you think this should have gone on to five, six, seven, eight films, regardless of what their quality is? Or is this franchise better off ending at three? I would have liked for there to have been more. And the thing is, it's an unfortunate. I mean, you'll never know. Because even even though New Line ha- had Nightmare on Elm Street and some of the later ones were bad, 
there still were good ones in there. So we were kind of denied that. You know, it ended at three. Now, thankfully, it's three good movies. Well, it's two great movies. And two and one- a half good movies. It's, yeah. 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 I'll say, okay. Two and a half good movies, but it's, eh, I can <laughs> more. two great movies and one good, you know, uh, good movie. It, it, it's a shame that uh, it did end there because it had potential to keep going. It's just that it did kind of fall apart with uh, with Cohen getting thrown off and with the director walking off. And it just uh, it's a shame it, it fell apart from within. But um, I, I would have liked for uh, them to, you know, get another director in there, maybe get another writer and kind of continue it. It really didn't need to end because they're with with whenever you bring this supernatural aspect into it, then it's like, all right, all bets are off. You know, you can you can how keep many this times going does Jason come back a lot. And <laughs> uh, so, so that's kind of the thing. It's like when you have that supernatural aspect, you can always figure out a way. They shot Jason with a rocket launcher. <laughs> and figured out a way to bring him back. Now, yeah, granted, it was stupid, but they it did. It was stupid, but they did. It was it was definitely for for me that was the the worst of of that franchise. Really could have done anything and just continued to make them. And uh, I'm at the point now where I'm so just kind of burned out with all these reboots and remakes and everything. You know, if if maybe. 15 years ago, they would have said, hey, we're going to reboot uh, Maniac Cop. I probably would have been all for it. They're they're just doing everything. And if they do, I'm sure it'll just be like how the RoboCop one was. It's just it was slick and it was soulless. We're better off with three movies, I would say. Um, I'd like it if it was, you know, William Lustig and Robert Zadar coming back. That would be, you know, if, if they came back and just made like a proper ending to the series. Um like, I know you don't like the latest Rambo movie, but I thought that was a nice way to finish the series after three was kind of a miserable failure. Whoa, 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 um, whoa. I, you know that series? You know they're making a fifth one, right, where he fights Rambo? Yeah, I know. Don't, so, don't remind so, me. So they haven't finished the Rambo series. I'm trying to pretend like that doesn't exist because I really felt like the fourth one ended perfectly. But um, I, I do feel like if if they were to make another one, it would have to be Lustig. It would have to be, have to be Robert Zadar. It would have to be... Lustig going, okay, well, I didn't like the third movie. The third one feels like an, an aborted child, uh, so I'm going to make what I felt like the series should have ended on. Like, if, if it would be that, I'd be all for it. I think that'd be pretty cool. But if it's just going to be like an empty, soulless remake, which it likely would, like the RoboCop remake was, which just was one of the worst films I saw of that year. Like, I had to watch the original at least three or four times just to get that rotten taste out of my mouth. I would prefer it if it's just going to stay at three, stay at three. If if William Lustig and some of the original, uh, like if, uh, you know, like if Robert Davi and, and uh, Zadar and Lustig helmed uh, a reboot or just did a fourth film, I would dig that. But other than that, keep it at three. It's a nice little franchise. It's got two great movies, one okay movie that was thrown together and still ended up being pretty decent. I like that. I like that it's a series that didn't really go down a road and turn shitty. I mean, yeah, you could keep this character going. These characters have been, like, the slashers have been brought back in ridiculous ways. As Cecil said, Jason got hit with a rocket launcher and still came back as, like, uh, as a body hopper. Freddy has been brought back due to, like, evil dog piss. So there's any way to bring back any of these supernatural characters. But let's keep Maniac Cop at, at, at the nice trilogy that it's at. I would rather it stay there. I like this franchise as it is. And again, I probably like the third film more than most people do. 
I, I think I love the soundtrack. I think it gets so ridiculous that it's fun. I think this is one of the lesser known franchises. Now, I I hesitated for a moment because I almost said slasher franchises, but it's really it's not a slasher movie franchise, at least not in the traditional manner. Mm-hmm. So it, it's more of just like an action movie exploitation franchise. I I really do think it people need to see it. Honestly, I'm surprised, even with Bruce Campbell starring in the first one and being in the second one, that that these films are not more well-known than they are. Outside of the horror fandom, your mainstream audience doesn't know about the Maniac Cop movies. And unfortunately, they probably would welcome a remake because that would be the first one that they would see. I think Matt Cordell should, should be allowed to have his bride in his grave. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I think you just, you need to leave him there. Cecil, since you have waived your right to remain silent forever, where could people find you? Find me waving uh, my right all over the place uh, with evil dog piss at uh, goodbedflix.com <laughs> as well as geekjuicemedia.com. And then Peter, you always flaunt around your rights. Where would people find you? <laughs> well, you're going to have to face this maniac cop alone on Twitter at Zinematica. Facebook, The Cinemasochist, YouTube, The Cinemasochist, and pretty soon on 1201beyond.com with some sexy t-shirts. I don't know if sexy is the right word, but Oh, they're very sexy. They're totally sexy. They're very well, sexy. Well, sexy when this motherfucker wears them. Speaking of 1201beyond.com, that's where you can go to find this show as well as many others. You can buy t-shirts there. Peter's stuff's not there yet. We're working on it. There's some stuff happening behind the scenes. You can buy a Radiodrome t-shirt there, and you can contact... I'm designing the- a shirt. But you haven't yet. (laughs) Until you do, you shut up. It's in the works. It's in the works. I've sent him some concept stuff. Yes, I'm, and I like them. I just, I'm trying to figure things out. It's Mm -hmm. very busy around these parts. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Have a good night. Yo, wait a minute. What's that? What's that? What's that? Something's sneaking around the corner. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. I think it's a maniac. Hold up. Ah! You better watch out when you hear that sound. It means that the maniac cops around. Once upon a time, he was a super cop. But the bad guy threatened to make him stop. They put him in prison when they tried to kill him. But he broke out, now he's a villain. Bullets won't hurt him. I know it sounds like Johnny. But he'll show up in your jacuzzi You can run him over, you can feed him poison Push him out a window and, and it only annoys him. him You better believe me if they think I'm lying When he show up, yeah. people start dying He's out for vengeance and he can't be stopped That's why they call him the Maniac Cop You have the right to remain Call him.
Radio Drome is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.